Our concerns are simply that affirmative, in South, affirmative action in South Africa has become a numbers game and, and not a people's game anymore, or people's imperative. Uh, if you go and look at how the government is implementing affirmative action, what they're simply doing is saying, well, let's look at our national racial demographics and let's enforce those uh, gra- demographics on employers and uh, ask and, and, and ask employers that uh, they must reflect the national demographic profile of South Africa. And that accordingly leads to the ring-fencing of positions, people that's being appointed to positions for which they're not qualified, and it has become a mathematical approach, and we're taking the individual out of affirmative action, and we're not uplifting people, but we're attempting to create some form of mythical and uh, uh, some form of mathematical uh, target that we want to achieve. But can the one be divorced from the other? Can you implement affirmative action in any meaningful way without concentrating on numbers, Dad? Yes. I think what we should look at is not uh, is the correct figures and not some specific figure. What we should look at is we should look at our pool of suitably qualified. We should look at the economic and financial circumstances of a specific industry. We must go and look at the vacancies within that industry. We have to look at what barriers were there previously and, and what are the future barriers that might be there. And then we need to take a nuanced approach and say, well, taking all of those factors into account, let's establish a specific target. Unfortunately, this is not what's happening. We are setting a baseline, that's the national demographics, and we say that is what we want to achieve, and that is what we want to enforce upon employers. And then we look back and, and we say, well, we're not achieving those targets, so what is wrong? And the only thing what, what is wrong is actually that we are not setting rational targets. We are setting irrational targets, and therefore we're getting irrational outcomes. Jimmy, the affirmative action policy as it stands, uh, Dirk says uh, he has problems with uh, what this essentially comes down to, which is a numbers game, and would instead like to see a nuanced approach. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> first, second, I think let's just start, start from the let's start from the top and just work our way down very quickly. I think it's important for all of us to understand that in the first instance, that South Africa is a, a member state within the ILO. In other words, in the International Labour Organization, we are bound by some of those conventions that Triple One Convention requires member states like South Africa to implement programs of redress. So first and foremost, let South Africa know that what affirmative action is all about is internationally approved. Secondly, the constitution of this country, which is our bedrock, which supersedes everything else, allows for this to happen. On Section 9, Subsection 2, the advocate can look it up that allows for this to happen. So I just wanted to be clear that what is being done here is not only internationally sound, but is also also constitutionally uh, correct. I need to correct this, and in fact, I'd be very um, disappointed that it's an advocate, but it doesn't seem to uh, look at the facts and, and be much more uh, uh, particular about issues. There is no such a thing in the law that says to reflect national demographics. The Employment Equity Act talks about economic active population there's a fundamental difference between employment active uh, uh, eap and uh, national democracy fundamental difference the difference there with economic active population is that there are a lot of exclusions to come to the point of rationality when you do this number you actually remove people above 65 you remove people that are discouraged from work you remove students you remove prisoners 
and so on so that you come to a number that makes sense so the thing that you're talking about is actually already there it's built in the act the act is rational and also Derek is incorrect to say that uh, we're now having people that are not qualified the act is very clear abundantly clear in fact this is what makes it uh, very different from the job preservation act of the apartheid era where all the qualification needed was just to be white here the qualification goes beyond being black you must still be suitably qualified and the act is abundantly clear what that means you are suitably qualified if you either have a formal qualification one two if you have prior learning three if you've got previous experience four if you uh, can arrive at the required competence within a short period of time so there's no such a thing as uh, as uh, as people that are appointed that are not qualified and lastly it's also incorrect uh, for Derek, the DA, so the director, and all of them to be saying that this act is about quotas. This act is very clear. Uh, Section 15, subsection 3 of the act is very clear that the issues of quotas are not legal. This is why, uh, the <clears throat> this is why you have a situation where people lose cases in court. It's because they try and implement quotas. This act is about targets, and these targets are actually put by companies themselves. The failure by companies to implement affirmative action is failure to, to actually live up to the targets that they've set themselves. This law does not come to you and say, you shall achieve this here and now because I say so. No, the law says, first do an audit of your, of your organization. Check what skills uh, you have. Put timelines, put training programs, do this, do this, so that you arrive at something that makes sense. It's the most rational law that we have. It's the most fairest thing that we can do. And by the way, Sakina, contrary to popular belief that this is just about blacks, this law is about everyone, including white people, including white males uh, that are disabled, including white females as well. So it's not just a law that is retributive. This is a law that is trying to make sure that South Africa uh, uh, goes mm. forward in a united manner. It's very non-racial. Dirk? Yes, I, I think, well, the, the, the first issue we need to get to is the fact that solidarity is currently not against, we must make it quite clear that we are not against affirmative action, but we are against this whole idea of absolute representativity. We're not against the Employment Equity Act, but we are for a proper implementation of the Employment Equity Act. Mr. Manje has already been proven wrong. He stated that the Western Cape has been overpopulated by colors and therefore they need to move out. The court case um, which we had for the Department of Correctional Services has already indicated that that approach um, is not in line with the Act. So it's quite clear that Mr. Jimmy Manji's approach on how affirmative action should be implemented has already been corrected by the courts in stating that can his I, view of how that? affirmative action should be implemented can, is not in I, line with the law. Can I just correct that? Go ahead. You see, you see, I think, in fact, that's a very good case to show that this law is rational. Is this, 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 that case is very clear. Uh, as to, in fact, firstly, firstly, let me affirm the judgment, that that judgment was correct. It affirms the correctness of the law. The law says when you, when you do these targets, you must take national, national uh, uh, EAP into account, and you must also take provincial EAP into account. That's what the law says. When people applying this law, they decide to take one or the other. That's what the problem happened. In, in the Western Cape, what happened is that the correctional services uh, did not show evidence of having taken into account the provincial 
situation. That's the only thing. And, and in other words, the law, there's nothing wrong with this law, but one, some, some individuals, not government, it's individuals that sometimes uh, implement things incorrectly, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with this law. In, indeed, I think it just shows the rationality of this. Same thing with the Barnard case with the, with, with the subs. There, the situation was uh, an issue, issue of absolute barriers. The law is very clear that there shall be no absolute barriers. You can't say because you can't find suitable uh, black people and therefore it's the end of the world. No. If there is a competent white there, you must, have, you must appoint, which shows that this law is not retributive. It's a law that is not aiming at dealing with white people as it were. It's a law that is rational. So I don't mm-hmm. understand what's the problem here. You see, the problem that we have is that, yes, we have the law, and the law is fine, but how is the law being implemented by government? Let's take, for instance, I'm going to just look at two court cases. The one court case is the Department of Correctional Services court case. Now, there you need to consider the fact that the Department of Correctional Services uh, implemented and formulated an employment equity plan, which all employers that have more than 50 individuals uh, or employees need to do. Now, that plan goes to the Department of Labor, and that plan needs to be approved by the Department of Labor, which is a government department. The government department, the Department of Labor, sanctioned the the way affirmative action were implemented in the Western Cape, which has now been corrected by the courts. So it's quite clear that there's a difference between the law and how the law is being implemented, specifically within state departments. Another court case which I would like to refer to is the one of Mrs. Naidu versus the SAPS. And I just want to read one quote of how the SAPS, they came to court and they testified the following. They said affirmative action are being implemented in the following way. The calculation used to determine the race and gender allocation was explained as follows. 19 positions on level 14 are multiplied by the national demographic figure for a specific race group. Example, 19 positions times 79% Africans equal 15 of 19 posts must be filled by Africans. Then 15 times 70% equals 11 positions to be filled by African males minus the current status of seven, meaning that there is a shortage of four African males. For Indian females, the calculation is 19 times 2.5 equals 0.5 positions to be filled by Indians. Then 0.5 times 30 equals 0.1 Indian females, and that is rounded off to zero. That is the problem that we're having with affirmative action in South Africa. It's become so a total in, in, numbers game. Uh, uh, hold on, Jimmy. So in no uncertain terms, apart from being a numbers game, what else are you opposed to in that? Well, what we're saying is here that this is creating a barrier, an absolute barrier. In this specific instance, it created an absolute barrier for Indian females because, as you can see from their calculation, the way they implemented it, they say, well, we rounded off to zero. So zero Indian females can be or could be appointed to that position, and therefore we did not appoint Mrs. Naidu. In the Western Cape, they said, well, we're looking at the national demographic figures, and currently the colored community are overpopulated within the Western Cape, and therefore we did not shortlist them, and therefore we did not appoint them. So the government is looking at irrational targets. They're looking at the national demographic and leaving aside all other factors, service delivery that... I mean, they made it quite clear that they are not scared of leaving positions vacant in the name of affirmative action. So they do not um, carry um, service delivery 
uh, on the hearts and, and they do not put place uh, or they do not place a, um, service delivery on top of affirmative action. Secondly, they do not look at qualifications. If you go and look at the qualifications in South Africa, you will see that there is a lot of work to be done by government in our, uh, our, for our education. Of people with a degree, um, 52% of them are, are Africans, 5.8 uh, and 35.9% are white. Um, that is people with a degree. That, those are people that you can choose from for your top senior management, professionally qualified and skilled. However, that's, um, these figures are not taken into consideration by, by the government.